The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. It says this, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, designed to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is God's word for us today. Would you guys pray with me? Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we come before you now. Uh, Excited to experience your story. Uh, We pray that as we encounter you in your word, uh, we come to understand who you are and who you've made us to be. We say that's all in your son's precious name. Amen. So last Saturday, uh, I got an idea in my head. We had a pond. Notice the t- uh, tents. Had a pond. And we're like, we're not really excited about this pond. It wasn't very big. It was really in a bad spot. And so I got it in my little skull. You know what we should do? We should drain the pond and put in a campfire pit. And Erica's like, this is a great idea. Mind you, a bunch of yuppies bought a farmhouse. We have no idea how to drain a pond. And so I called Mick, because Mick knows how to do these kind of things. He's like, oh, you need a pump. And I'm like, perfect. Where do I get a pump? He's like, oh, I got you covered. So Mick drops off a pump at church last Sunday, and we start to drain this pond. And the first 90% of it went just fine, right? The water's going out. We're putting it on the other side of the yard. Go team. But then we got to that last 10%. And things stopped going fine, right? It stopped being water, and it was just muck, and plants, and snakes, and big spiders. And it was like, oh, oh, what did we do? I immediately regretted that decision, right? And day after day, after work, I would go in with a shovel, and I would be trying to get this stuff out of the pond. And I swear more stuff was ending up in the pond by the time I was done. And I was, dispart- I was, I was disheartened. My wife actually has me, if you follow her with, on Facebook, there's a video of her asking me, so you still think this is a good idea? And I'm just like, no, this, this was stupid. This was so, so stupid. Um, and from that video, though, Grant Carey saw it and said, hey, if you want help, I'm more than willing to come out. And I'm someone who sometimes has a hard time asking for help, asking, hey, you know what, I could use a little assistance here. But I was so despondent, I'm like, yeah, actually, that'd be great. He's like, all right, well, I can come out either Saturday or Monday. And so, okay, Saturday morning, and 8.30 rolls around, and I text him, like, you still good? And he's like, it's 81 degrees outside. You sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yes, please? Grant comes out. 
And in two hours, we were able to finish the pond off. And in fact, one of Erica's friends, well, our friends, Lauren, came over and helped us get the rest of the muck out. And so by the end of the day, we no longer had a pond or a swamp. We had the pit, which is where we were trying to get to so we can build this patio. But for me, it was a really good example of loving your neighbor as yourself. And that's what we're talking about today. We're in this series called You Are Here, looking at the different aspects of our life. Last week, we talked about the spirituality and our relationship with God the Father and Jesus, the Holy Spirit being the foundation. We talked about the verse where Jesus says, the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. But immediately after that, he says, but the second most important thing, if loving God is 1A, then loving your neighbor is 1B. And that's where our scripture comes from today, right? What we heard Grant read, what we retold with the kids. Essentially, it starts off with a teacher trying to debate Jesus. What do I have to do to gain God's favor? What do I have to do to punch my ticket to heaven? And Jesus says, well, you've read the law, you've read the Bible, the Old Testament, what does it say? And the man says, well, we're supposed to love God with everything we have, and we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. And Jesus gives him credit. He says, you've got it. Do this and you'll live. But the man, and this is the first takeaway today, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, so who is my neighbor? That verse right there, but he wanted to justify himself, is the root cause of 98% of all division in every relationship you've ever been a part of. With your spouse, with your family, friends, coworkers, the need to justify ourselves separates us. The need to be right breaks apart relationships. And so when my wife says, Josh, did you take out the trash? And my immediate response is to justify why I didn't take out the trash, right? Well, I had a really busy day, or my back was hurting me, or, or whatever else. I immediately put my defenses up because I want to be right in that situation. I don't want a relationship in that moment. What's most important is that I'm right, that I'm okay. And whenever we start to justify ourselves in a relationship, we're breaking that relationship apart. That's why the heart of this question, and who is my neighbor, starts with this justification question. He's trying to figure out who do I love and who don't I have to love. Right? And I think we all kind of do that. We have the neighbors that we really like and the neighbors that we don't like as much. Right? The neighbors who mow their lawn at 6 o'clock in the morning and you're like, well, God obviously doesn't want me to love those people. God doesn't like those people. And Lamont has a great quote that says, um, you know you've created God in your own image when he dislikes all the same people you do. Right? And yet we do that with our neighbors, right? We have this idea of, yes, these folks we're fine with, but these folks, you know what? Not so much. And yet in this story of the Good Samaritan, what we find is Jesus coming in and saying, no, I'm going to invert that. And this question, who is my neighbor, starts to change. And so the story goes, right? So the pastor literally sees this man broken, walks on by. The worship leader sees this man broken, walks on by. And really, Jesus told this story kind of in a tricky way. Because it starts off and he says, so a man is walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. These are two Jewish cities. 
And so if you're a storyteller and you start telling the story that way, immediately you're thinking, okay, it's a Jewish dude. Makes sense? Great. He's doing his little walk. Something bad happens to him, right? The robbers get him. Lead him half dead, Scripture says. And then Jesus says, so the pastor, the priest, the most holy among you, separates himself, right? He sees the man, right? The story goes... Now, by chance, a priest was going down. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He separates himself from the hurting. The Levite, the worship leader, same exact thing happens. But the Samaritan, well, Samaritans would have been shocking to this story because Samaritans were never the good guys. The history of this whole nation of Samaria was they were originally part of the Jewish nation. But when they were conquered, Samaria ended up taking on wives and husbands from other nations. And they ended up watering down the Old Testament. And so their gods started to blend in with the gods of the other nations. And so the Jews considered them not pure. Uh, last sermon, we were talking about Harry Potter, right? And you had the pure bloods, you had the muggles, but then you had the half-bloods. That's kind of what the Samaritans were. They weren't clean. They weren't right. And so when Jesus says that a Samaritan is the good guy in the story, that would have been a slap in the face. It would have been a make them stand up and take notice. And what we see is the only difference between the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan is they all saw him, but when the Samaritan sees him, he has compassion right? Compassion in Greek meant to be moved to the core, to be moved to the heart, to be connected. Priest sees the man, moves himself away. Levite sees the man, moves himself away. Samaritan sees the man, and he connects himself to his plight. He has compassion on him. He has empathy on him. And that is what actually connects us to being able to love our neighbors. Because without empathy, without compassion, without connecting ourselves, well, then we start to justify ourselves. And as soon as we start to justify ourselves, we start to break down relationships. Tim Keller has a really cool quote, and he says, we instinctively tend to limit for whom we exert ourselves. We do it for people who are like us and for people whom we like. Jesus will have none of that. By depicting a Samaritan helping a Jew, Jesus could not have found a more forceful way to say that anyone at, need, at, anyone at all in need, regardless of race, politics, class, state of origin, political party, is your neighbor. Not everyone is your brother or sister in faith, but everyone is your neighbor, and you must love your neighbor. In this story, Jesus answers the question, so who is my neighbor? And the answer is anyone who God brings in your life. It could be your physical neighbors. It could be the barista at Starbucks. It could be the student in a classroom. It could be a coworker or a job site that you're at. As soon as God brings them into your life, they are your neighbor, which is different than saying that everyone is your neighbor. Because there are six billion people on this planet. We cannot be a neighbor to all of them. We're not God. And yet, God says, but the people that I do bring into your orbit, they are the ones I have called you to love. 
And so moment by moment, he's saying, I need you to have compassion on those I bring into your life. And that compassion will move you to act. That compassion will change you. And that brings us to the last point of the story. So Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the man said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. The point that sometimes I think we forget about the story is we hear what we're supposed to do. But remember who the good guy in the story was. It wasn't the Jewish man. It was the Samaritan. And in that story, Jesus is actually saying, it's not just about you loving, but you need to be loved as well. Right? When Jesus makes the good guy the Samaritan, he proves we need each other. Sometimes we think as Christians, we're going to always be the patron. We're always going to be the one in power. We're always going to be the one pouring love out. And yet, what we find in Scripture is that we need each other. That's actually the first time God says something isn't good. Right? In Genesis, before sin... God says, it is not good for man to be alone. We were built for one another. We were built to love one another and to receive love from each other. And so we need each other. And in the story of the Good Samaritan, we find out that it's not just the holy ones and the non-holy, loving the non-holy ones. No, humanity is in this together. And the reason why this is, is because we're not mortal. One of my uh, favorite quotes, and I'm going to quote it in a second, is from C.S. Lewis. And he talks about how everyone in this room is eternal. Think about that for a moment. We exist into eternity. Heaven or hell. Everything else in this room, the chairs, the table, the screens, the lights, the sound, all of that is going to be remade. But humanity, we are immortal. And God, we are either being turned more like into God, more like the image that he's put in us, or we're turning away from God, right? And that's really just the big difference between heaven and hell, turning towards God or turning away from God. And C.S. Lewis quotes it like this. He says, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most interesting person you can talk to may one day, and he's talking about in heaven, be a creature which, if you saw it now, you'd be strongly tempted to worship. Or else a horror and a corruption such as you meet it, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one of these destinations. So it is in the light of these possibilities, it is with the same awe and circumspection proper to them, that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. We are God's kids. He built us to last into eternity. And when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we're actually moving each other towards who God created us to be. We're moving each other towards God. We're finding the good in people drawing that out, giving them opportunities to serve, encouraging them when they're hurting. Because God entrusted us with his most precious possession, his kids. And every person in this room is someone God wants to be a child of God. 
And so when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we're really having an opportunity to steward and manage God's most precious possession. And it's something that is going to last into eternity. And the reality is that we don't do this very well. At least I don't do it very well. I constantly am trying to justify why I don't have to love someone. Right? Lowest common denominator. How little of work can I do and still qualify for loving my neighbor, right? If I just say hello, is that enough? Maybe like cookies once a year? I mean, what's, what's the bar? I'm looking for that justification so I can just meet that and then say, and now I'm done. And that's something I think as a church, we all have to confess. We all have to come and be like, you know what, God? I don't do this love thing particularly well all the time. So we're going to take a moment before we take communion and just silently come before God and say, you know what? We need forgiveness. God, we need your strength to love our neighbor. We need your love to pour out into us so then we can pour it out into others. And so I would ask you guys to pray with me now. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you in silent reflection, humbled by how much you love us and broken by how little we pour it back into our neighbors, into those that you have brought into our orbit. Father, Lord, we come before you now asking forgiveness, asking for grace. Lord God, we thank you for being a God who says, this is love. Not that we first loved God, but that you loved us. And it's out of that love that we are empowered to pay it forward to our neighbor, to pay it forward to those you have brought into our lives. We pray for that boldness now. So it's all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.